Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Is there a great way to get back at a professor who's clearly biased against you? We'll find out, but first, U.S. Air Force supply problems. I need an antenna to fix a jet. They made me order the whole tail. In the early 1980s, I was in the U.S. Air Force. My job title was avionics comm slash nav specialist. Translation, I fixed radios and navigation equipment on A-7D and later on on A-10A aircraft. One of the A-7D aircraft that I was called on to fix had been struck by lightning on the tail. The upper 12 inches of the tail is the UHF radio antenna. It was totally destroyed by the lightning strike. My unit at the time was on temporary duty, TDY, at Barbers Point Naval Air Station in Hawaii for a 30-day exercise. I was just a young pup at the time, 19 or 20 years old I think, but I was the only comm slash nav guy that was on the TDY. So I need a new antenna to fix the jet and order one from our supply guy. They tell me that no antennas are available anywhere in the US Air Force. Okay, what do I do I ask? They tell me to order the next higher assembly, basically the tail of the aircraft. I argue for a while, trying to explain how stupid that is, but get nowhere. They actually get kind of nasty with me. At that time, the Cold War was going strong. Any aircraft that was not mission capable was a very bad thing. A grounded USAF jet on a TDY at a naval airbase was even worse. It had to be fixed yesterday. I call my boss back at our main base in Louisiana and explain the situation. He tells me to go ahead and follow the supply guy's recommendation, which I do. It couldn't have been more than three hours before I'm told to report to my maintenance officer, the officer in charge of aircraft maintenance, wanting to know if I'd ordered an A7D tail assembly. I have to say, as a young airman first class talking to a major, I was kind of scared. I explained the whole chain of events, omitting who I specifically spoke with at our home base. The major looked like he was going to explode in anger. I'm thinking, I'm a dead man. Instead, he busted out laughing. I mean like laughing to the point where he couldn't talk. Laughing so hard that it looked like he was in pain, tears in his eyes, etc. After what seemed like forever, at least it seemed that way, he was able to actually speak again. The major told me that the way the supply group worked has always been a problem. What I did just brought it all out into the open with all the attention it got. He actually thanked me. I got my antenna two days later. It's always nice to unknowingly help out when you can. Also, hi, I'm Steven, and if you enjoy awesome stories of malicious compliance, why not hit that subscribe button down below? That said, our next story is, you can't reserve seats on public transport. We, my aunt and uncle, cousin and dad, were on a long sightseeing ferry ride. It was a two-hour ride with one stop in the middle. We were the first to get on the ferry, so all of us blocked the window seats in a straight line. It's public transport and there's no concept of reservation. It's first come, first serve. We were sitting in the air-conditioned cabin and had the option of going out on the main deck. Just as we stopped in the middle, my dad went on the main deck to take some pictures and enjoy the fresh air. 
Another man gets on the ferry at this stop and takes my dad's window seat, though there were a few other window seats left. My aunt and I told him a number of times quite politely that someone's sitting there, but he only said, I speak French, and proceeded to not hear us. My dad came back and told him he was sitting there, and this man called the security and complained about my dad. The security told my dad, sir, this is public transport, seats cannot be reserved. My dad said, alright, and sat down next to him. So the scene right now is window, man, my dad, empty seat, aisle. About 10 minutes later, the man was about to step out on the deck. He left his bag on the seat and got up to leave. My dad asked him to kindly remove his bag and he refused. So my dad refused to get up and move to let him out. My dad said, you can't reserve seats. You showed me the rule. Kindly follow it yourself. He became very flustered and started clapping his hands and calling for security. Security was also on the deck for the time being, but a barista was there. The man called the barista to help who didn't understand French either, so he told them in Arabic that my dad was refusing to move to let him out of the seat. The barista was flabbergasted and asked my dad why. I know Arabic, so I intervened and clarified the situation. That is, the man was keeping his bag and reserving his seat, which he told my dad is not allowed. By this time, the man has sort of climbed over my dad to go and call the security, and my dad hasn't budged. Keep in mind that my dad isn't a small man and is quite big with broad shoulders, and the sight of a tiny French man climbing around him was really funny. The security came in and the guy still feeding them parts of the whole story in Arabic. When they came back to ask my dad, he said, You told me moments ago that reserving seats aren't allowed. He was keeping his bag and going to the deck, thus reserving his seat because no one would sit down in a seat with a bag in it. The security told him he wasn't allowed to do that and removed his bag. Now my dad got up and told him that he can sit beside the window. My dad just wanted to prove a point and came and sat beside me. The man was fuming and muttering, camera, police, and a number of colorful French abuses, which I know because I have a French friend. He's glaring at us as I'm writing this and guess what? He isn't sitting in the window seat anymore. The rules apply to thee, not to me. How dare you take something nice away from me? But by the way, I'm going to protect this nice thing solely for me. Nobody else can have it. You gotta love a hypocrite. Does anybody else think it's weird though, the way the family spread out to specifically only window seats? Like wouldn't most families just kind of fill up rows? The way this whole family was like, okay, we're gonna take every window seat on this side of the ferry. Does that seem odd to anybody else? Our next story is, I used a low rank against a captain and Australian cadets. Hello, I'm a 16-year-old male in the Australian Army Valets. I'm currently a cadet corporal, and I'm in the acting position of a cadet quartermaster sergeant. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Storytime is sponsored by BetterHelp. Nearly everyone at some point in their life will struggle with their mental health, whether that's something stressful at work, in a personal relationship, or something else. I know that I really struggled with anxiety in my early 20s, and therapy was a massive help for me. That's why I'm a massive fan of therapy, and today's sponsor, BetterHelp. If there is anything in your life, big or small, that is negatively affecting you, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. It's an online therapy service that, after finishing a small questionnaire, will match you with a licensed therapist, where you can book appointments that match up with your schedule at any place or any time. And if you feel like you're not bonding with your therapist, you can switch at any point for free. Also, therapy isn't just if you're struggling with mental health. If you're looking for guidance or ways to improve your social skills, life, or relationships, it's a great judgment-free way of doing that. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com StorytimePod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash StorytimePod. This is my telling of what happened over the past two weeks between myself and my administrative captain. Last week, Wednesday, I was at cadet doing my casual duties as an acting cadet quartermaster sergeant, and my captain came down from admin to check on me. I brought up my unit's rank structure next year and asked to nominate for the cadet under officer and born officer course. He decided to nominate me as he believes I need to have experience in the rank of a sergeant. Again, I'm a cadet corporal. I explained to him all the feats I made in the Q store and what I could do as a cadet under officer. I had cleaned the Q store top to bottom, led a section and platoon while outfield, made a makeshift Q store outfield, applied first aid knowledge of the regular, etc. He shot me down again with the, you need to have at least six months in the rank of sergeant. I've been the acting cadet quartermaster sergeant for eight months now, still counting. Now comes the malicious compliance. The next week, I went to cadets and I went to my Q store and waited. It's not a corporal's responsibility to run the Q store, so I waited for the captain. He came down and saw me doing nothing and lost his crap. I mean, full shouting, threatening to make me do drill, etc. I sat up and said, good evening, sir. I'm not sure why you're so disgruntled. I'm simply awaiting instructions from the quartermaster. That's when he got confused. You are the quartermaster, he said. I told him no and pulled out the induction booklet he gave me at the start of the year and explained I'm corporal and that I'm simply awaiting the order from my sergeant. He didn't know what to do. I had him beat right there in black and white. I was doing the job I meant to and he couldn't dispute it. Long story short, don't let people take advantage of you because you aren't as high a rank as them. If you overachieve and they expect that of you, don't let them do it. Do your job, then you don't get into trouble. I'll be going back to my duties as a quartermaster, but I'm going to have a serious word about a promotion. Without knowing how everything functions with like what the Q store is and the titles, the basic premise here is kind of relevant to quiet quitting where they expect OP to be doing so much more than what their title demands and they're not even giving them any recommendations to move up while still expecting them to do way more than their role pertains. In a situation like this where they don't want to allow you to be able to move up, they don't think you're worth it, but still expect you to bend over backwards and do stuff not in your job description, quiet quitting's kind of the go-to. 
do exactly what your job says you're supposed to do and nothing more. I mean, if you don't deserve it with all the extra work and things you're carrying, why even keep up with it at that point then? This next story is, show me the email, he said. Mine is probably not funny, but a recent post reminded me of what happened at a startup, and I thought of posting it here. Writing full details might expose me, so I'm going to keep some things generic. I work in a highly regulated field, and we're expected to use some tools to analyze risks and failures in our systems, hardware, and software. When properly set up, the tools are effective, but set up incorrectly, our risks may appear too low or high. The scoring system requires some estimates and a scale against which you score factors that need multiplication. For about 10 to 15 years, as complexity increased, companies have granularized their scales, going from scoring things against 1 to 5, many score from 1 to 10, allowing your estimates to be more realistic. Because if we find risks to be too high, we have to spend a lot on development and manufacturing to fix them. If our risks appear to be too low, when they're higher, we can be heavily fined, death can occur, etc. I was hired at this startup to show them what the best in the industry were doing. Within a month of my job there, I emailed my manager and the director, his manager, that the skills of 1 to 5 were too narrow and could be very problematic, yada yada. They never got back to me, probably never read it. This is a thing with them, more in this company than others. Why do I, a mighty director, have to respond to a bourgeois engineer? In meetings with them and some other consultants, I verbally also said this. They never acted on changing the scales. Then, no one wanted to finish the risk analysis, so I volunteered to do it. As I had suggested, risk values appeared too high. This was a big freaking deal, so there was a lot of ranting and raving. Out of the blue, the director angrily emails me and my manager, saying these risk estimates were too high and why did I do that? I emailed them both back, saying, I emailed you at the very beginning of my time here, warning you both specifically about this. You never got back. I mentioned this in meetings and still no one agreed to the change. My hands were tied. You think you would back off? Genius gets back to me. Well, do you have that email with you? Boy, did I. So I left a few months later because so much was wrong with them. It's been about two years. You think he's going to respond? Definitely this is why you don't clear out your inbox or at least start opening folders if you can for your work emails. It's also nice if you can back them up. I know it's not possible in every place because it might be a breach of contract to forward those to a non-work email. The bottom line here, cover your butt whenever possible. Always have receipts when it comes to difficult decisions and policies that you have to follow. That said, our final story of the day is, oh, my paper isn't long enough? Okay. Another post reminded me of my own little bit of malicious compliance back in college. This was more than a decade ago. So, in my junior year, I was taking an art history class on medieval art and architecture. Hardway through the course, the professor assigned a paper and the instructions were that the paper length was to be 5 to 9 pages. I wrote my paper and it ended up being 5 pages. I said everything I felt was necessary to say in that amount of pages. When I got the paper back, I received an A-. Now, I'm not usually the type to complain about an A-, but in this case, I knew I wrote a strong paper. I was an art history major and at this point was three years into my program, 
So I had a buttload of art history classes under my belt, and I freaking knew when I produced a good art history paper. So I really wanted to hear why I got the minus instead of a straight A. I went to the professor's office hours to ask why he graded it as such. Yes, he was quite amused someone was complaining about an A-. minus. I didn't give a freak. I wanted to know why he took off points and what he thought could have been improved. He hemmed and hawed for a few minutes because there wasn't anything wrong with my paper, and he finally said, well, it could have been longer. I said, the prompt said five to nine pages, and I was within that range. He replied, it could have been longer. Okay, fine. The next paper that came around was the term research paper, and this time the prompt said, at least 15 pages. Cue malicious compliance. I worked my butt off writing this research paper, and out of pure spite, I made this dude read no less than 29 freaking pages about some stupid medieval church. Now, I had written papers this long before, and a year later when I wrote my honors thesis, it was nearly four times that length, but for this particular topic, I was really stretching it. The verbosity was a bit ridiculous. A week or two later, he returned the paper, A plus grade. He handed it to me and said with a genuine smile, it was great, I loved it. You should submit it for publication to XYZ History Journal. I begrudgingly submitted my maliciously compliant paper to the journal, and it was accepted and published. Admittedly, I was probably the one that suffered the most from my own malicious compliance, but I didn't care, and I'd do it again. OP went out here and tried their hardest to stick it to this guy, and this guy came back with a smile and said, I loved every second of it. This is like some guy getting up in your face saying, what are you going to do, punch me? And then you do, and then afterwards they're smiling like, practically saying it felt good. Just kind of leaves you like, oh great. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now, if you want to hear another absolutely awesome compliance story, check out that video on the left. Or if you missed my latest video, check out that video on the right. That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories.